0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, rumors out of Giga Shanghai suggest that the Project Highland Model 3 revamp is imminent. The Cybertruck's frunk is seemingly revealed and it's causing a lot of discussion in the Tesla community. Plus, a Tesla executive steps down, Hardware 4 looks to be different on the Model Y compared to the S and X, and more. What's happening, friends, alongside a very relaxed Daisy the Boxer. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast episode 419 for August 13th, 2023. Well, my family vacation last week was super fun, but I got COVID for the first time. I had dodged it for three and a half years, and I knew that going to Disneyland is... Basically the COVID equivalent of sticking your head in a lion's mouth at a, at a circus. But I, so I knew the risk. Sadly, my daughter also got it for the first time ever. Although somehow my wife has managed to avoid it. I'm feeling much better. My daughter's feeling much better. I even really lucked out that not only were my symptoms pretty mild overall, I kind of felt like I had the flu for about a day and a half, but it didn't even hit me until right after we landed back home, so I got to enjoy the entire trip, and now uh, I'm all better, I'm feeling good, so I'm happy to be back here doing Ride the Lightning for you. Now, speaking of Disneyland, this wasn't the real Patreon poll for this week, I will have that for you coming up in a few minutes, but just for fun, I did make a second bonus extra Patreon poll this week asking, what's your favorite ride at Disneyland? Because I could do an entire show on that if if you wanted me to, which I don't think any of you do. But uh, the winning vote, which I agree with, this would be my vote as well, 23% of you um, divided amongst many rides is uh, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, which I am of the opinion that it's the best ride Disney has ever done. It is an insane experience. If you haven't been on it and you have an interest in going on it, I urge you to not read about it, to not look at YouTube videos, to go in blind. If at some point you plan to go to Disneyland and experience it, it is best uh, not spoiled for you in any way. Space Mountain at number two, a classic, 17% of the vote there. And then Pirates of the Caribbean in third with 14%. Anyway... Uh, moving on this week, back to Tesla things, which I know is what you care about. You will get hardware four if you are doing the full self-driving trade-in to get a model Y. I say this because I know this was a question. There was a caller that called in about this that I had played a couple weeks ago. And my own friend, Chad, who I believe I mentioned in response to that caller was doing the same thing. Well, Chad took delivery today as I record this, or no, I'm sorry, it was yesterday. Uh, yesterday, and he's got hardware four, and I also had heard from a Tesla friend of mine who would know, I'll just put it that way, gotta keep them anonymous, who said, yep, the the Model Ys are all hardware four now, so no need to worry about that. So if that is something that you're considering as part of a possible FSD transfer this quarter, you can at least have that confidence knowing that you are indeed going to get hardware 4. The only bummer is at least for the time being as as Chad has found out although he he was kind of aware of this ahead of time, uh you cannot get the FSD beta on hardware 4 for now. No doubt Tesla's going to rectify that at some point, but if you're driving a hardware 4 SX or now Model Y, you currently cannot get the FSD beta as of yet. Moving on this week, I hope all of you who are kindly backing me at that $10 a month tier or higher on my Patreon, I hope you enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode. I got a lot of nice comments on this one, which I really appreciate. It just shows me that you all listened to it and enjoyed it. So that's good. That's the goal. Uh, at least when I'm making these things is that <laughs> is that you do listen and enjoy them. So my lightning round mini episode on Patreon this week was about the eight unanswered questions that I still have about the Cybertruck. So everything from, of course, the price, the range, on to things like body repair with the stainless steel. So I had eight things that I talked about in that. So if you are not backing me on Patreon and maybe it's you're thinking, all right, you know what? You've swayed me. You've got 50-something Lightning Rounds up there. I've been listening to the podcast for a while. I could get the early access. I'm going to do it. Well, you can go find out all the details, and in fact, you can sign up on Patreon at my Patreon page found at patreon.com slash Podcast. And the that $10 a month tier where you get the Lightning Round mini-episodes every week and you get that early access to each week's episode There's a free trial, a seven day free trial on that. So you can go and sign up for that at no actual financial commitment. If you just like to see what it's like to be a Patreon backer for one week. And then a reminder as well, if you would prefer to just back me once for the year, rather than on a monthly basis, there is a 10% discount waiting for you if you do commit to the annual pledge on Patreon. So again, patreon.com slash Podcast for all the good stuff there this is a listener supported podcast so i do genuinely and sincerely appreciate your support if you are willing and able to give it let's get rolling with the big stories this week there are plenty of them first more model 3 project highland rumors are swirling in shanghai I saw this written up on Teslarati who writes in part, a new report from Chinese media outlets claims that Tesla is already producing the Model 3 Highland at Gigafactory Shanghai in a trial phase. And progress is quote, advanced when quote, compared to previous expectations. That's a good sign. Teslarati notes that the report says via Google Translate here from Chinese, It is reported that Tesla's facelifted Model 3 has already started trial production, and it is expected to start mass supply in September and start delivery in October. Compared with previous expectations, this progress has been advanced. According to the estimated cost of components, the guide price of this new car is around 200,000 won, And it will use the 66 kilowatt hour m3p battery provided by ningde times it is understood that the m3p battery may be mainly used purely with lithium manganese iron phosphate with the early trial production of the model 3 lithium manganese iron phosphate is expected to accelerate the release of capacity if the report is accurate The 200,000 yuan price would equate uh, equate to roughly 27,811 U.S. dollars, which would make it extremely affordable and increase demand, as the Model 3 and Model Y produced in China start at the equivalent of 32,246 U.S. dollars and 36,696 U.S. dollars, respectively. So thank you to that Chinese media report and to Teslarati for summarizing it. So first, if you're used to M3P, meaning Model 3 Performance, I'm right there with you in having to differentiate that in my mind because that's not what's being referenced here. It is not referencing the performance version of the vehicle. M3P is indicative of a new battery type that's reportedly in development in China. So... We do certainly need to take this with a grain of salt, but as this is showing up in a major Chinese publication and not just some random blog, I think it gives the report a bit more weight. So with that in mind, for me, the biggest takeaways to this are number one, the timeline. Trial production already being underway at Giga Shanghai makes sense because we know from a previous report, that Elon Musk already got a look at the first prototype versions of the Highland back at Giga Shanghai in his visit in June. So that piece of it makes sense. And I think that mass supply is simply a a literal Google Translate. So I I wouldn't call it a a translate error, but just more of a literal translation that I think we can reasonably take to actually mean mass production rather than the literal mass supply. So that's in September, according to this report, since the very next line says delivery in October. Now, the question, the big question, will the U.S. be far behind? Or will the U.S. be behind at all? I've, I've posed this before on the podcast, but it's worth wondering aloud again. Will Shanghai-built cars get shipped over here? If not, and if Fremont is behind Shanghai, how long will the wait be? And will Model 3 sales here in North America suffer in the interim due to the Osborne effect? It's a lot of questions, but these are all fair questions. I mean, this is a big deal that we're talking about here. Now, for that last important question, though, I think there is, we do have to, just pull back a second and remember that 99% of prospective Model 3 buyers, and, all right, even if it's not 99, it's it's a high 90s percentage. The overwhelming, vast, ultra-majority of Model 3 buyers, they are not as plugged into the news of Tesla, the happenings of this company, the way that you and I are. So I think that the vast majority of these prospective customers are going to continue to order without even knowing that a revamp is coming. The question is, will those of us clued in hold off on buying? And I think many of us will. Those of you that are looking to purchase a Model 3 probably will wait. But in the grand scheme of things, it's probably a small group. And so I don't think it's going to meaningfully impact Tesla's Model 3 delivery numbers in any way. And then there's the other big piece of this, which is the price because that no doubt jumped out at you when I when I read the number, when I when I read the number initially, I definitely blinked a couple times like wait, really? Now, the thing to remember is that pricing is reasonably different in China compared to here. So, I wouldn't focus too much on the absolutes, meaning the actual numbers on this. Instead, what I think is fair to look at is the relative, and that me- being the $5,000 reduction from the current Model 3. Again, just comparing China price to China price. If those figures, if the, if that gap between old model three and new were to prove accurate in the U S as well as in Shanghai, you would be looking at Tesla bringing in a lot more new EV buyers, because as we all know, at, as the further down Tesla drives the prices, you get to the point where for every $5,000, you can bring your price down from the the levels that the Model 3 is at now, that's just gonna open up the market to so, so many more people. Although, we also have to take into account the warning that Tesla has already posted on the Model 3 design studio that I've talked about on the podcast before, that the tax credit is going to be cut in half on the Model 3, starting on January 1st of 2024. So how convenient then that the Highland should at least offset that $3,750 loss totally for the customer. And maybe it will even still end up being a bit cheaper than the outgoing Model 3 if indeed, again, that $5,000 Delta from old Model 3 to new ends up holding on U.S. prices as it's projected to do so in China. It's certainly a win for Tesla to get that price down because the Highland obviously much cheaper for Tesla to produce than the current Model 3 is. But certainly it's looking like it will hopefully be a win for customers as well, which is the thing I care about most at the end of the day. And also taking a, a a bigger picture look at this, if we really get the Cybertruck and Project Highland in consecutive months this fall, September, October, then it's going to be an exceptionally exciting next couple of months. So all I can say is buckle up, be uh, glad that you're already listening to a Tesla podcast that stays on top of this stuff. I'm psyched. I can't wait to cover these things, and if they're if they really do end up being back to back, that's just going to be even more fun than this podcast normally is to make. So, bring it on, Tesla! I'm ready for you. Next up this week, the other thing we're all most excited about the aforementioned Cybertruck. A new leaked video, hurriedly taken from inside Giga Texas, I guess I should say, allegedly. There's no actual proof that it was. But this leaked video, allegedly taken from inside Giga Texas, shows several Cybertrucks all right near each other, with a few of them having their frunks open. So you might be thinking, okay, well that's kind of interesting, a quick little video that someone that wasn't supposed to take a video in the factory, took a video and put it online. And okay, that's there's a few of them around, that's cool. But why is this noteworthy number one? I'll give you well, I'll give you two reasons. One is the reason that everybody's talking about. And the other is a reason that I feel like no one's talking about. So the reason that no one is talking about first, uh, I'll say this. It is now very clear, in other words, I can say with reasonable certainty that the Cybertruck's frunk is not powered. Now, I'm not saying that as a disappointment because I don't know if, I don't think it's really the case that we had any expectations for the Cybertruck's frunk to be powered, but it was certainly a question mark, right? Would it be powered? Because the Rivian's is, I believe, if memory serves. And I don't, I think, I think the Lightning's is too. But in any case, it does appear based on The this video, that the Cybertruck's frunk is not powered, it looks like it's gonna be manual, just like the frunk in every other Tesla. Now, again, that's not a surprise, because if any Tesla were to have a powered frunk, it would probably be the S and the X. But am I still a little disappointed, given that those other EV pickups have it? Yes, although it's not even necessarily about those other EV pickups, it's more about the fact that the the frunk is on on the truck is meant to be really a lot more usable and and more frequently used than the frunk in the four passenger cars because there's going to be a lot of times where you maybe don't want to put say groceries in the vault. You don't want them kind of rolling around. Maybe you want to just put them in the frunk. So it would have been nice, certainly, if the Cybertruck frunk were powered, but that does not appear to be the case. Now, reason number two that everybody is talking about, the thing that had the Tesla community buzzing this past week, is the alleged size of that frunk, the usable storage space inside that frunk now you can see the frunk fairly clearly when you freeze frame the short very very short video that was vertically shot uh in the real patreon poll this week i included a picture of it a snapshot of what you know the, the best look at the frunk from this video so you if you want to see what this looks like you can go to patreon.com tesla podcast And I'll get to the poll question and results in a second here. But you can see it there. And so, uh, while the Cybertruck frunk looks fairly tall height-wise, unlike, say, my Model 3 frunk, the Cybertruck's frunk looks like it's nowhere near as deep as, say, the aforementioned Ford F-150 Lightning's trunk. Now, to my eye, and again, you can take a look at the picture for yourself, but to my eye, I would guess that it's going to hold a set of golf clubs no problem. Maybe even two sets of golf clubs stacked on top of each other. That's a little tougher to tell. But this will understandably be a little bit of a disappointment for some folks. I mean, the question is, what's the other side of the coin? Because what I mean by that, what are the trade-offs? What benefit are we getting in return for what appears to be a smaller frunk than the Cybertruck's competitors? Because we, we know that the Cybertruck is basically the same dimensions as an F-150. They're both crew cabs, four-door, full-size trucks. So logically, I would have to infer that, well, there must be more legroom in the Cybertruck cabin than in the F-150 Lightning, right? And then I did look this up to confirm, it looks like the bed in the Cybertruck is longer than the Lightning's. Six-foot bed for the Cybertruck versus five and a half feet in the Lightning. I mean, I suppose it's not necessarily that simple, that it's not necessarily just a, an absolute kind of give or take, It's possible that Tesla simply made that trade-off in exchange for aerodynamics, which will in turn give the Cybertruck better efficiency and better range, which are very important things. The Lightning does not exactly boast the best range numbers in the world as it is, and Tesla has promised to blow everybody away with a 500-mile range truck, so we shall see. But again, you can take a look at the picture for yourself. And by the way, if you're curious why I'm picking on the Lightning specifically, it is because as I think most of you remember, ever since the original Cybertruck unveiling almost 4 years ago, I guess yeah, gosh, we are closing in on 4 years ago now. Elon himself has benchmarked the Cybertruck against the F150 and for good reason. The F-150 has been the number one selling passenger vehicle in North America for actual decades. So it makes sense that Elon would use it as a benchmark for the Cybertruck. Now, to get back to the frunk situation here for a second, I'll say that speaking for myself, I'm probably gonna use it a lot more often than I use my Model 3's frunk, which by the way is almost never. And the reason why is because it'll be easier to put things like groceries into the Cybertruck's frunk, because the whole front end opens up. Whereas on the Model 3, I just put the groceries in the trunk. Again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about not wanting groceries to be sliding around in the giant six-foot-long vault bed. So whether or not the Cybertruck ends up with more cargo volume than a Lightning, well, that remains to be seen, because those frunks are going to need to be compared, cargo volume-wise. But the Cybertruck should still have ample storage between the frunk, the vault, and then, you know, potentially, if you don't have anybody sitting in the second row, you've got the entire second row at your disposal as well. The good news is, if the late September deliveries, if that's when the launch event happens... We are now T minus 50 days or less until all is revealed, all is answered, and we'll just, we'll know everything about this truck and we'll start seeing them on the roads. All right. As promised, the real Patreon poll for this week, which again, you do not need to have a, you don't need to be backing me on Patreon to vote on. It's freely available for anybody to vote on each week at patreon.com slash Podcast. Is the Cybertruck's frunk big enough? That was the poll question. Again, it's got the, the still image, the screen grab of what appears to be the Cybertruck's frunk. And the vote was, if I may say, shocking. I was very surprised by this because it is... Dead even, 199 votes, 35% said, yes, this looks like plenty, 35% said, no, I expect more from a full-size EV truck, 21% of you said, maybe, if it can hold a set of golf clubs, I'll be good, and 10% of you said, I'm undecided for now and or just show me the results. So thanks to everybody that took the time to vote in this week's real Patreon poll and the fake one, the, the Disneyland one as well. Thanks everybody for, uh, for taking the time out to participate in those. Next up this week, Tesla's chief financial officer slash master of coin, Zach Kirkhorn, is leaving the company at the end of the year officially after 13 years with the last four of them spent as Elon's right-hand man. Quote, from Zach, this morning Tesla announced that I've stepped down from my role as chief financial officer, succeeded by our chief accounting officer, Vibhav Taniha, being a- I apologize if I got that wrong, being a part of this company is a special experience and I'm extremely proud of the work we've done together since I joined over 13 years ago. As I shift my responsibilities to support this transition, I want to thank the talented, passionate, and hardworking employees at Tesla who have accomplished things many thought not possible. I also want to thank Elon for his leadership and optimism, which has inspired so many people. While Elon himself posted a kind goodbye to Zach on X, saying, quote, I would like to thank Zach Kirkhorn for his many contributions to Tesla over the course of 13 often difficult years. Much appreciated and best wishes for the next stage of his career. Well, for a little context on this, the list of people who have lasted 13 years at Tesla at any level of the company, let alone senior leadership, it's not a long list. Because Tesla is by all accounts, and in fact, by Elon's own admission, it's a tough place to work where you are expected to give everything that you have to the mission. And the 120 plus thousand employees that do work at Tesla, they do that. And I'm so grateful to them for doing so because it's their hard work at every level of the company that lets me have the car I love so much in my garage and is it's their hard work that's making the Cybertruck that I'm waiting for possible as well when literally literally I know the word literally gets abused a lot in the English language but uh, literally <laughs> no other car company was going to build the Cybertruck it just wasn't going to happen so uh so anyway it's tough Tes- working at Tesla is not a cushy gig it is a nose to the grindstone give-it-your-all, blood, sweat, and tears kind of gig, and so kudos to Zach, 13 years, the last four as CFO, and he no doubt has a very healthy cache of stock options that are going to allow him to either disappear to a desert island forever, or at the very least, take a year or two off without having to worry at all about what his next move is going to be. I mean, for my part, I'll say this. I've not met Zach. I've only heard him on the earnings calls, but he always seemed like a very steady hand. That was the impression I got from him. And you could tell just from listening to the earnings calls that he was definitely someone that Elon trusted, which I don't think is necessarily always the case for Elon with with just leadership in general. I think he's, I, and I don't say, I'm not trying to say anything negative about anybody at Tesla now. I just, I think he is probably a, a, a tough guy to to earn the trust of, you know what I mean? Because he's, he can be intimidating, he's demanding in the sense that, you know, he's pushing the company forward at all times. So, you know, I, I think, uh, I think Zach definitely deserves a tip of the cap for what he's done at Tesla. Now, for his successor, I don't know anything about Mr. Taneja other than that he's been with the company since 2017, so he's been there a good little while now, and he was with SolarCity prior to that, but I certainly applaud Tesla's decision to promote from within. That is always healthy for a company. I mean, it's not always the best move necessarily, But generally speaking, promoting from within, it's good for morale and for the people that are working hard at the company. So I guess we're going to get to know our new CFO no later than the Q4 earnings call, which should be in the second half of January, unless Zach and Elon decide to introduce him sooner, perhaps even on the next earnings call, which should be in mid to late October, which I think they they may very well do since this is a big change at the very, very top of the company. Next this week, Tesla is facing a new proposed class action lawsuit. It's been filed by three owners in California, alleging the automaker engaged in false advertising by providing exaggerated driving range estimates. I saw this written up on drive Tesla Canada, who wrote the lawsuit filed in the U S district court for the Northern district of California comes one week after a report emerged, alleging Tesla set up a special team to cancel range related appointments following an influx of complaints from Tesla owners regarding the actual driving ranges falling short of the advertised figures. The report also claimed that Tesla had instructed its engineers to develop algorithms to display overly optimistic projections for the distance the vehicle could travel on a full charge. Those instructions allegedly came from Elon Musk about a decade ago, but there was no evidence provided to indicate whether the algorithms are still in use today or in fact ever were in use. The lawsuit first reported by Reuters accuses Tesla of breaching vehicle warranties, committing fraud and engaging in unfair competition. The plaintiffs argue that Tesla has a duty to deliver products that perform as advertised, and they claim that their experiences with their Tesla vehicles did not live up to the promised driving ranges. One plaintiff, James Porter, who owns a Model Y in Petaluma, California, stated in the lawsuit that on one trip, He lost approximately 182 miles of range, despite only driving 92 miles. That's a little suspect off the top. One trip. Okay, well, guess what? Weather effects. Was that one trip all uphill? Was it in the rain? You know, there's a lot that goes into this stuff. I'm not completely discounting the claim here. But when you, if you're going to cite an example in a lawsuit, that's a, a little bit of a small sample size problem, I would say. But anyway, uh, to get back to my thoughts on this, the original Reuters report popped up right as I went on my vacation. So I apologize for not being able to get to this story sooner. You just got the Cliffs Notes version, though. Now, I read the original entire thing on Reuters when it first came up, and I'll be honest, I'm a bit torn about it. Now, in it, the EPA itself, the EPA sources, I should say, that Reuters talked to, those people acknowledge that Tesla is definitely not cheating with its range, just that Tesla is the very best in the industry at maximizing the number within the rules established by the EPA. And I don't think, based on Reuters' own reporting, that Elon ordered anyone to outright lie with regard to the range displayed in our cars. And I think we all know, after owning these cars for a while, that as I was mentioning a moment ago, the range can really, really vary depending on both the weather conditions and your driving style. I mean, those things, in fairness, now those things both affect gasoline-powered cars too, but we tend not to notice them as much because there are gas stations everywhere and there's not an instant readout in most gas cars that shows you what your active gas mileage is. Whereas in our cars, You've got a watt hour per mile number available to you anytime you want it that shows, oh my goodness, we're, we're up at 350 watt hours per mile right now or you know something like that, depending which Tesla you're driving. And it does seem to be the case, I will say, that other automakers, that they tend to report EV ranges that are maybe a bit more realistic in the real world What I think is more at the root of this than Tesla being sued for over this is the range of range, if you will, is much larger in an EV than it is in a gas car. For instance, an EV can crush its rated range if you drive at a steady 30 miles an hour. I mean, if you're just driving around town, around the city all day, at 30, 35, you're going to do awesome on your range. But if you're up at 75 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour on the interstate, it's going to be a good bit lower than the car's rated range. With gas cars, they generally don't seem to have quite as big of a delta between the EPA rated range in either the city or on the highway and what you actually get. The system, the the whole EPA rating system was, after all, designed with internal combustion engines in mind. And for EVs, the EPA uses a five-cycle test. Now, as EVs mature, what this story made me think about is, well, maybe we need a more mature testing cycle from the EPA to more accurately project range for prospective EV buyers. That was the the bottom line conclusion that I came to on this. Now, that said, I can understand anybody who's upset that Elon and Tesla purposely wanted to show customers the most optimistic range number possible. But for me, after owning my Model 3 for five years, 56 or so thousand miles, and numerous road trips in that time, I have personally never felt bamboozled by the car. I can still drive it, you know, yeah. Does, is, do I get 310 miles of range when I'm on a road trip? Definitely not. But I'm going 80 miles an hour on, on the 70 mile an hour interstate when I'm doing that. And that's just physics. I, I accept that. So I can, for me, I can still drive for about three hours at a time. In my car. Which is about as long as I'd ever personally want to go between stops anyway. And then after the three hours, I take a break to supercharge. I, and I can't speak for anybody else, I've been totally happy with with that. With my car and how it how capable it is on road trips. So, your mileage may vary, figuratively, and I suppose literally as well. But that's how I feel on that one couple more quick stories for you this week looks like not all hardware fours are being created equal our white hat hacker friend green the only tweeted this past week quote hmm looks like model y hardware four infotainment side is somewhat crippled compared to hardware three units it has half as much ram and half as much storage eight gigs of RAM, and 128 gigs of storage, respectively. Given the current requirements for Steam, that crosses Steam out, even though it's not officially supported on the Model Y anyway. Well, while this is, yes, definitely a bummer, I get it from Tesla's perspective. If you're making over a million Model Ys per year, and you can use half of the RAM and half of the storage space per car, well, that's pretty quickly a massive savings from both a financial perspective, but also from a raw materials, a supply chain situation. I mean, as long as you don't advertise those Steam gaming features on the Model Y, which to be clear, Tesla has not, then I don't have a problem with it. And I I think there is something to say that it does make sense to keep the Steam feature exclusive to the more expensive, lower-volume vehicles, but I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit unearthed by Green the Only this past week. And finally, we'll end on some good news. Giga Mexico's groundbreaking finally appears to be imminent. Thank you to Teslarati for writing this up and they cited a Spanish language report from the Millenio News Network. They write, as noted in a Millenio report, recent footage taken at the upcoming Tesla property showed that machinery is already present in the area. Apart from heavy equipment, cones alerting motorists of construction activities at the site could also be seen on the road. Granted. The presence of heavy equipment on the site is undoubtedly small progress, but it does seem to suggest that construction work at Giga Mexico is about to start. Last month, Nuevo León Governor Samuel Alejandro García Sepulveda noted that permits for Gigafactory Mexico were progressing forward. The official also noted that the first stages of the facility's buildout were about to start. Considering the presence of heavy equipment on the site this week, it appears that the governor's estimate may be accurate. Well, the presence of the earth movers is certainly compelling evidence, which was shown on the video, the news, uh, the news network video that Tesla included, embedded on the page there. But the fact that they've also got orange cones set up to redirect traffic in a construction zone. That, to me, really drives home the immediacy of this. This is going to be happening any minute now. I mean, the the announcement of this Gigafactory came all the way back in March now. So we've had a pretty quiet five months on this, which honestly is pretty un-Tesla-like, with the possible exception of Giga Berlin, because that site, as you may remember from a couple of years ago, faced a lot of environmentally-related protest and also red tape. As far as I know, there is no such hurdle in Mexico. So it'll be really, really great to get Giga Mexico moving because, why? It's the first literal concrete step towards the super-affordable Generation 3 Tesla becoming a real thing. And that is reason enough to get excited right there. All right, that's everything I've got for you in a very busy week of Tesla news. Stick with me, I will be back with your Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls coming up right after this. Before I get to your phone calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline this week, a reminder that this week's Ride the Lightning is brought to you in part, once again, by my friends at Accelerate Auto, who offer their excellent X-Care extended warranty coverage for your Tesla. I was so happy. I got to meet all three of their main guys at the Tesla takeover. They were there. They had a booth. And so it was nice to finally meet up face-to-face after all this time of talking to them on email and on a couple of Zoom calls. But in any case, uh, if you are in the market for an extended warranty coverage package on your Tesla, go to accelerateauto.com Xcare. That's X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O dot com slash X-C-A-R-E. They offer not just everything that Tesla's own extended warranty plan does, but way more. Because the Tesla one, A, you got to buy it before your factory warranty is up. There's no such limitation on the X-Care warranty. But Tesla's is also just two years and 25,000 miles. The X-Care plan can go up to 10 years and up to 125,000 miles of coverage or anything in between. You customize it, you get what works for you. And they also now have drivetrain and battery coverage. Huge thing that they said a ton of people have been requesting. And it makes sense, right? Because if you're going to hang on to a Tesla for a while, what's the most expensive component of the car? The battery and also then the drivetrain behind that. So, you know, to get coverage on those can really give you a nice peace of mind if you opt in for it. Again, you don't have to. But it's an option that's there. So again, accelerateauto.com/xcare and use the discount code Lightning for one hundred dollars off of your policy purchase. And then, this is the last time I'll be mentioning this one because the raffle is is happening. The CCF raffle, the ninth annual Tesla raffle from the Chicago Chesed Fund. That nonprofit organization dedicated to helping families in crisis—they've been doing this Tesla raffle every year. This is their again, their ninth year, and they are out there using the proceeds of this raffle to help families get back on their feet by offering goods and services like food, furniture, jobs, etc. Buy a ticket, and you've got a chance to win a Tesla of your choice, and yes, that includes a Cybertruck or 50 grand in cash, if that would be more useful to you. So, for your chance to win, head on over to ccfraffle.com. And again, this is the last week. The drawing is happening on August 20th, this coming Sunday, August 20th. So, it's either you've got until then or when they sell their 900, 9,999th ticket whichever one of those comes first. So head on over to ccfraffle.com and you can use the coupon code, the promo code RTL to get $25 off of two tickets or $500 off of 15 tickets. Again, that promo code, the very simple RTL, ccfraffle.com. Check it out. All right, and with that, we come to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in and be featured on the podcast with your Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic. The way to call in, because I do invite you to do so, I welcome you to do so, I love hearing from you, is to call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, Record your question on your phone. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many callers each week as possible. And then just email that file to me at my podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number that you can dial anytime, day or night, and that number is one 989 8752 Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. And we will kick it off with a very informative call from Rav in Ontario. Hi, Ryan. Been listening to your show off
1: and on for a number of years now. And recently, I've been more regular. With regards to the different levels of full self-driving, I just thought uh, here's a quick tip on how to remember the different levels. We use our brain, our eyes, our hands, and our feet to drive. So level one is kind of like cruise control, uh, traffic away cruise control, emergency braking, say so using your feet a lot less or maybe not using your feet. Level two is the vehicle starts to steer itself. So you don't need to use your hands as much. Uh, so that's uh, you know not using your hands, so level two. Level three is you can now start taking your eyes off the road, but still be aware of the drive and be ready to, to take over. Level four is you don't even need to now pay attention to the drive, but you still need to be in the vehicle. And level five is just remove the your entire body from the vehicle. So I hope that helps people understand the and remember the different uh, levels of uh, driving. Take care.
0: Wow, what an awesome way to more easily remember what level one up through level five autonomy means. I love this. Rav, thank you so much. This is great. I think everybody else is gonna enjoy this as well. Thanks for calling in. Next up is Pete from Carmel, Indiana, calling in with the FSD beta from the roundabout capital of America.
2: Hey Ryan, Pete from Carmel, Indiana. Just thought I'd uh, call back for some follow-up. As you know, I called several months ago when I got the uh, full self-driving beta and I was uh, navigating some roundabouts here in Carmel and it flunked big time. Uh, I mean, there was maybe one roundabout out of six that it would be able to barely navigate. So this is a little bit of an update. It's fairly good news. It's not ready for prime time, clearly. Uh, so if you live in Carmel, Indiana, don't autopilot uh, through too many roundabouts. But it does seem to do well with specific type of roundabout. So we have essentially three different versions here. We have a simple single-lane roundabout. So you have four. Uh, entry points and you know, the roundabout circle and a single lane. Then we have two-lane roundabouts where the inner lane can go straight uh, but the outer lane can go straight or turn. And then we have figure of eight roundabouts which are essentially stacked, double, or uh, in some cases quadrupled roundabouts on either side of a freeway uh, or major uh You know, road. So uh, it does not seem to understand the double lane roundabout. Uh, It will approach the roundabout and then get confused as to which lane it should be in. Uh, Single lane roundabout, it is now handling pretty smoothly. Uh, Before, I think I told you that there have been instances where it would get in the roundabout and just suddenly freeze and stop or, um, you know, try to go over the curb. But uh, that seems to have been solved. So they have made some progress, which is good news. Um, I'm hoping that they continue to work with the engineers to improve this and uh, ultimately make it work for all the different roundabouts. Um, but anyway, I thought I'd give you an update. Again, thanks for all the great uh, content. Uh, you're a model as far as the way podcasts should be. Abducted, and I commend you on your consistency and your positive outlook. Uh, I think that's inspiring. So have a great week. Uh, look forward to uh, giving another update when the software actually works uh, flawlessly.
0: Pete, thank you for the kind words and, by the way, for your many years of support as well. And I appreciate you calling in with this update. Now, for anyone that might not remember Pete's previous call... It was the one that taught me something, and I alluded to it in the intro to this call that Carmel, Indiana is the unofficial roundabout capital of America. I even I looked it up and everything. But uh, Pete, I'm glad to hear that it's making progress. And as I'm sure I said to you last time, I do genuinely and sincerely hope that Tesla is or has sent, an autopilot engineer or two out to your neck of the woods in order to work on this specific issue, similar to how they sent engineers out to Jacksonville, Florida to work on Chuck Cook's unprotected left turn. So keep those updates coming as they are warranted. Pete, thank you again for your call. Next up is Brad from Maine. Go ahead, Brad.
3: Hi, Ryan. it's Brad from Maine. Um, Colin, in response to something you said a couple of us ago, maybe 4.15, when you were talking about the maybe the um, Model 2 and whether there'd be a performance Model 2 that could be better than the Performance Model 3, you thought maybe the Performance Model 3 would probably just be the one to get. But to me, I, I look at how the the Model S was the best, and then the Model 3 had the performance, you're getting the better technology, even though it's cheaper, it could be – the Model 2, we, there's a lot of unknowns. It could be a lighter car with better technology that has a performance model that could blow the Model 3 performance out. It could be awesome, or I'm not sure. Even if it's just something where you're paying like 40 grand for 25, 000, a version of a $25,000 car that's the performance model, I could see myself getting that in like six years because I'd be getting the better technology than the model three and uh i don't know it could be just a light better car and always want looking ahead thank you Graham.
0: hey brad you're right that it's certainly on the table after all there are performance versions of cars at all price points it's not just a thing for more expensive vehicles and you are definitely right that the generation three car will be lighter that's a given since it'll be a good bit smaller than the model three And while you're right that it'll have Tesla's latest generation drivetrain in it, it will also have a notably smaller battery pack. And you do need a bigger pack for a performance model in as much as you want to draw from as big of a pack as possible to produce as much power on tap as possible. So while it is very much a possibility that a performance version of the Gen 3 car will get made, I think it's probably not going to rival the 3.1 second 0 to 60 time of the Model 3 performance. But because it'll be lighter, as you noted, it could end up being more fun to throw around a track. So we'll see what Tesla decides to do.
4: Next up this week, here's Julio from Madrid, Spain. Hi, Ryan. This is Julio calling in from Madrid, Spain. About the famous statement that Elon made on FSD being not expensive, I have a quick thought. I agree that 15K is too much for the regular Tesla owner, and if FSD will truly be 10 times safer than a human, and if, quoting Elon, affordability is the limiting factor, I think Tesla should do everything in their hand to make FSD available to as many users as possible for the sake of that safety that is put out there as the ultimate goal. Many software products offer licenses for commercial and non-commercial use with vastly different prices. Tesla here could do exactly the same thing offering a price tag for business users that could be those 15K or even more, as the software will be used as a business asset, and a different much lower price tag, I don't know, 5K, for personal use, where rules are very clear and you can never put your vehicle out on any kind of robo-taxi business use. Plus Tesla could easily check that private users are never breaking the rules. With that, I really think FSD use would explode and a much higher fleet base would be truly safer. I personally see this as a win-win-win. What are your thoughts? Thank you very much. Julio,
0: I love the points and suggestions that you made here. Fleet licensing makes a lot of sense, as does, I agree, a personal use only license. I mean, I, for one, would definitely take advantage of a personal use only license if it existed because I personally have no intention of ever robo taxiing any of my current or future Teslas. Not that Tesla isn't thinking outside the box already, I want to clarify that, because they certainly are in even doing what they do at all, but once they crack FSD in a truly real world, like level four kind of way... It's your outside the box thinking that's going to be needed in order to, as you wisely put it, get it into the hands of as many people as possible in service of making Teslas as safe as they can possibly be. So great stuff, Julio. Thank you very much for your call. And I've got time for one more call this week. It comes from Mark in Connecticut.
5: Hi, Orion. Mark from Connecticut here. Long time listener, first time caller. I have a question, but first a little story. I've always been a car enthusiast flash affectionado. As far back as I can remember, it's been hard for me to pass the car dealership without turning in to see what was on the lot. What car would catch my eye to be the next car I would passionately, passionately look forward to? I sold a 2016 GTI, stick of course, to purchase an Audi S4 that looked special. In air quotes, on the dealership showroom floor, oh, well, with carbon fiber spoiler and all stuff of the sort, stuff of that sort made the car look special, different. It was a head turner. It was. It wasn't long after purchase that I recognized that I would made a mistake. It was not the same driver's car that the GTI was. I found myself bored by the offerings out there. I started looking at YouTube videos of Teslas. Looking back now, I'm not even sure what I was. What I'm not even sure where I was inspired to even begin looking at them. I took the hour and a half drive to New York, test drove the Model 3, and the, from the first bit of acceleration and the one pedal driving, I was hooked. The S4 wasn't even six months old yet, but as soon as I got home, I put the car up for sale. I ordered my Model 3 Long Range. The S4 sold. I was so impressed with my test drive, I also sold a sizable chunk of stock that wasn't performing very well and purchased Tesla stock with it. That was June of 2019, subsequent to all of the above. The stock took off. I paid for my Model 3 in full and have been an avid Tesla enthusiast ever since. And so this brings me to my question. I am anxiously looking forward to the Highland release announcement and fully intend on doing an upgrade when it is released. Can I refer myself and take advantage of both the referring and the referred pieces of that? Thanks for what you're doing, Ryan. I look forward to your podcast on a weekly basis. All for now. Mark.
0: Mark, I love this story. I think it's one that a lot of us can relate to. And what's crazy to think about is that there are many, many people out there who will end up having a similar story to yours in the next few years, but they don't even really know about Tesla yet. There's still a lot of untapped potential out there for this company specifically. I'm really happy to hear that your Model 3 is bringing you a lot of joy. I hope it continues to do so until you can get your hands on the Highland And on that note, by the way, to answer your question, yes, you can absolutely refer yourself. And as you heard earlier in the podcast, hopefully it will not be too much longer before we see that new Model 3 now. Cheers, Mark, and thank you so much to everybody who took the time to call in. Keep your calls coming. I will get to more of them next week. I promise I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of this segment, but... Ride the Lightning is not yet done here on episode 419 just yet. Stick with me. I'll be right back with your pro tip of the week and more right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. Well, I had to record my vacation show before Tesla takeover, so I haven't had a chance to tell you about that. I just want to give a lot of credit to the leadership of the Tesla owners of Silicon Valley. Boy, they put together a wonderful event. It was huge. I mean, just hundreds of cars in the parking. Like If you looked out into the the parking area, it looked like a Tesla delivery center at the end of a busy quarter. And lots of great tents with lots of great exhibitors and sponsors and all that stuff. And a lot of neat stuff to see. And great, uh, speakers. And I was again, privileged enough to be asked to host one of the panels. I really had a wonderful time. It was even a nice cruise down there too. I'd never actually been to San Luis Obispo before. So that was nice. And and so many of you came up and said hello to me and that you've been listening. And it was just nice to meet a lot of you face to face. So I really had a wonderful time and I'm grateful for the experience and I'll look forward to going again next year. Now, an entertainment recommendation. The Witcher season three. The Witcher's back on Netflix. You know, this season's been getting some grief online. I'm only a few episodes in. I'm enjoying it so far. I've really liked this show, and I know that it's gonna be, the the main character is being recast, that, uh, that it's, it's no longer gonna be Superman playing the Witcher anymore, but... We'll see. I'm going to just see, take it as it comes, give it a try. But the uh, the final Henry Cavill season is on now and, and I'm having fun with it. So if you have not watched The Witcher on Netflix it and you're in the mood for a good, violent, profane fantasy show, it's definitely not for kids at all. It is a, it is a for adults fantasy show, but uh, check that out if it's of interest. Pro tip of the week time, here's Xavier from Boston.
6: Hi, Ryan, this is uh, Xavier calling from Boston. I just wanted to thank you for all the great work that you do week in and week out. It's uh, an amazing podcast. So I just wanted to share something with your audience. I was away on a vacation for about 10 days and left my Model Y parked at a garage outdoors. And um, after about four days uh, I realized because I was getting text messages that the battery was getting pretty low. And I think it had to, something to do with the fact that it was really hot outside. So maybe the car was using extra extra battery. In any case, once it got to about 10%, I was starting to get a little concerned that by the time I would get back, that I would find my car with no battery. And I didn't realize, um, and this is what I want to share with the audience, that if you're going to be away for several days, there's a way to power off the entire vehicle so it doesn't consume any battery. And the way you do it is you go to controls, security, and then you'll see um, a button that says power off. And uh, again, if you're going to be away for you know 10 days or so, probably a good idea. And the second thing I, I, I learned is that once you get to about 10%, uh, the car becomes so the car is pretty smart about it, and it starts to um, basically save as much battery as much battery as possible by not um, enabling some features or let's say disabling some features. And so, if you want to take action, um, for example, if you wanted to get somebody to come to your car and power it off, which is something you cannot do remotely, you need to take action before it gets about 10%. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to open the door remotely for the person that can do that for you. In any case, I just thought that that was a good reminder for people that are going away on a long vacation. But there's a way to power off the vehicle. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Great work. Thank you.
0: Xavier, that's great advice. I'm going to count this as a pro tip of the week because I think it meets the criteria. Sentry mode is the first thing that you'd want to turn off if the car is going to have to sit somewhere unplugged for a while. At least that isn't your home or workplace where you already have the built-in option of disabling sentry mode all the time if it's at home or work. Uh, Cabin overheat protection is another one that you can shut off as well, but the full shutdown that you talked about is certainly the biggest difference that you can make with regard to battery consumption if the car is going to sit unplugged for a long period of time. Thank you very much for sharing your experience, And if anybody else out there has a good pro tip of the week, please send it to me because I would love to A, learn that pro tip myself, and B, share it with our fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts so you can send that in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. All right. Before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast that can hopefully be of use to you. Starting with abstractocean.com, makers of an entire Costco-like warehouse full of aftermarket Tesla accessories, my advice is to just go there, abstractocean.com, click on whichever Tesla you have, and just browse through the avalanche of stuff that they have. If anything catches your eye, Put it in your online shopping cart. When you get to check out, use the coupon code RTLpodcast. That's all one word, no spaces, RTLpodcast, and you will get 15% off of your first order. Thank you very much for ab- to abstractocean.com for continuing to offer that very nice discount to my listeners. And then the snap plate, which you can get at everyamp.com RTL, that is the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds but when it's on it is on nice and secure and when it's on it is a clean minimalist design that blends perfectly with the tesla's front end when it's installed and if you want to take it off maybe you're cleaning the car detailing the car doing a car show cars and coffee if you take it off it will leave no unsightly hardware behind unlike the one that tesla gives you with your car which adheses to the front of your vehicle with automotive tape. So don't use that one, use the snap plate, get it at everyamp.com slash RTL. Budgetsafesolar.com, that is who I ended up going with for my solar installation and a few of you have done the same. If solar is on your radar right now, you're probably gonna look up Tesla solar, that was the first thing I did. But if like me for whatever reason, you know, no no hard feelings against Tesla, if Tesla Solar doesn't work out for you, I certainly encourage you to get in touch with Budget Safe Solar at budgetsafesolar.com and they can work with you custom to put together the right system for your home or business. They also now will install home battery storage as well as part of the system. So If any of that is appealing, head on over to budgetsafesolar.com and use the referral code RTL if you do end up proceeding with an installation. Meanwhile, if you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, I highly recommend you treat your car to a spa day at a very fine detailer Immaculate Reflections. The website is irdetailing.com. You can look up his Yelp page, which is yelp.com slash immaculatereflections, or his Instagram page, where his handle is immaculate underscore reflections on Instagram. And no matter where you're looking, you're going to see some examples of some meticulously detailed cars. Maybe you'll see the work that's been Paint corrected to get the paint finish looking as good as it possibly can. You'll see work of from paint protection film, and you'll see ceramic coating done as well. Ceramic coating, of course, is the basically the next generation form of wax. That uh, it's it's more expensive than waxing a car certainly, but it's better stuff and it lasts for a good three to five years. So for me, that was worth the trade off. I don't want wax my car every six months i'd rather just ceramic coat it once by a professional and that'll last me i mean it's already lasted me five years so uh whatever detailing service you want to do head on over to irdetailing.com and when you do get in touch with them through the website mention that you're a ride the lightning listener and if you book in work there will be a nice little Ride the Lightning listener discount waiting for you. PureTesla.com slash RTL. That is your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setup. They sell a micro SD based kit, though it actually plugs into your car's USB adapter. But the storage format is micro SD, which is, it's just more reliable for the constant reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode need to do. $49 $49 will get you the 128-gigabyte kit shipped free anywhere in the U.S. $69, also shipped free in the U.S., will get you the 256-gigabyte kit. They also sell a nice, low-profile, slimline, wireless game controller kit as well, if that's of interest. You can get any of that, all of that, at puretesla.com RTL. Meanwhile, uh, the last thing here is, well, I guess there's my referral link. If you are going to be buying a Tesla and you don't have a friend, family member, or co-workers referral link, feel free to use mine. Just type in ts.la slash Ryan73014 and that will take you to the Tesla design studio where you can order and purchase whichever Tesla that you're looking to get, and you'll get the discount and the loot box reward points, all that good stuff that Tesla is offering. You don't have to use my code. Again, yeah, if, you, if you've if you got somebody in your life, feel free to use theirs, but if you just need one because you want to get those perks and benefits, go ahead and feel free to use mine. Uh, the Patreon, I mentioned at the top of the podcast, but that is the way that you can voluntarily choose to support my efforts here at ride the lightning. My hope is that at some point, whether, you know, if you've been listening for a year, two years, five years, that at some point you will say, you know what, Ryan? Yes, I am going to, it is finally time. I'm going to back you on Patreon. You can do so starting at just five bucks a month. And that $5 a month will get you early access to each week's episode if you step up to that $10 a month tier, you'll get the early access each week and that lightning round bonus mini episode that I do on Patreon each and every single week. So uh head on over to my Patreon page to find out more and to and to sign up and pledge at patreon.com slash Tesla Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can find this podcast on any of the big podcast services if you'd find it easier to subscribe on there which is totally free on any of the podcast services i'm on apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher TuneIn, spotify and then also youtube podcasts now which is nice you can find my youtube channel uh, which again there's no video on there but if that's how you'd prefer to listen Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you should find my channel, no problem. Follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I guess I should say X instead of Twitter. I gotta change my habit on that. But you can follow me on X and Instagram. I'm the same handle on both. DMC underscore Ryan is the place to find me on each of those social medias. And with that... Let me say hello and thank you to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers. I'll start with the newest Maximum Plaid backer. Thank you very much to Sean Tisdale for signing up. I'm looking forward to hopefully, uh, hopefully, Sean, you'll be able to make our monthly Zoom hangouts for the higher tier Patreon backers. We just did one last weekend, right at the beginning of my COVID, Uh, hopefully I didn't annoyingly cough too much on that one, but I'm certainly feeling way better now, but Sean, you'll, you and the rest of the maximum plaid backers are invited to those every single month. The rest of the maximum plaid crew are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano. Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam one contactonecallcenter.com, Jason Chalukas, Travis Krenzel, Bruce Otterstein, Tom Behan, Josh Pennington, Matt Kalin, and John from Cream Ridge, New Jersey, who John was on the, uh, the Patreon Zoom Hangout. It was good to see him. The Roadster and Space tier backers, thank you very much for your generosity to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Carol Weston, Robert from near Philly, and Chase Lancaster. And finally, the grandfathered-in plaid supporters. Thank you very much. To George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Anguin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Ish, Not Elon Musk, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Thank you to all the kind folks backing me at any Patreon tier. I do sincerely appreciate it. You are making a big difference for the better, in my life and in my family's life. And I am very grateful to you for that. I'm grateful to all of you for listening. If you made it this far, we are, you know, what, a good hour, 15 something minutes in here or something like that. And your time is valuable. I appreciate you spending it with me. You know, we're here. We're all sharing the collective love and enthusiasm for Tesla together. And that's what makes this podcast fun for me. I, I love this stuff, which I hope is obvious in the course of the podcast And if you're listening to it, you love it too. And we just get to have fun with it together. And like I was saying earlier in the podcast, the next couple months could just be two of the most exciting back to back months in Tesla history. If we get the launch of the Cybertruck and if the Project Highland vehicle ships, even if it's not in the United States, even if it's quote unquote only in Shanghai where I know most of us are are in the West here listening to this, but if Cybertruck and Highland end up coming out back-to-back, back, like right on the heels of each other, that's just going to be such a fun, fun time uh, for, for all of us that follow all this Tesla stuff. So in any case, I'm looking forward to it, counting down the days till the Cybertruck. The sightings are frequent in... California. They're frequent in Austin and they're even frequent right now in New Zealand where there's some winter testing going on. So the Cybertruck is imminent. The day is nearly upon us when us, the public, will actually get a chance to own these cars. Trucks, I guess I should say, but it's going to be fun. So for a now-sleeping Daisy the Boxer and, well, Zelina the future service dog is, is in another room probably, probably just watching uh, my wife get dinner ready, which she's very kindly doing right now. So uh, I am going to sign off here. This was Ride the Lightning episode 419. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and I'll see you next week.